Hey everybody, this is Diana here. Rob and I decided, based on the sheer volume of information that's been coming out of Flint recently, to put together a special sub-episode of all of our Flint reports and try and keep everybody up to date. Uh, once we got that put together, we realized it was about an hour and a half long, so we're going to split it up into two sub-episodes, and that way we can keep everybody informed on what's up. So. I hope you guys enjoy. This is our first part of our two-part Flint extravaganza. We're going to go way, way back in time to this past February when we started talking about everything that's been going on in Flint. This first part is from episode nine. Infrastructure. I think we are all familiar now by the term Flint water crisis. Things have been going on uh, in Flint, Michigan over the past year, well, longer than that, the past two years, that you don't typically expect to hear about happening in a first world country. When you Never in a first world country. Yeah, when you go to your sink or your tub and go to turn the water on, you're expecting potable water to come out of that tap uh, for your use whatever it be, a shower, a drink to cook dinner. Um, and that's just not been happening in Flint, Michigan. I'm sure, like I said, everybody is familiar at this point. Um, just a quick summary for those of you who don't know the ins and outs. Because <laughs> if you are not familiar with this, the ins and outs of this story, what the heck have you been doing? This is important. I mean, this is not like the little stories, which are also important about water sources being polluted by fracking and being able to set fire to the water coming out of your faucet. And this is the poisoning of an entire town by a Republican administration who foisted new um, governance on a town. I think the issue is that... The reason that this happened back in 2011 was strictly monetary. The city of Flint, uh, the manager in charge of the city of Flint, decided that paying the Detroit Water Works for their clean water was not a financially sound decision. They decided to... Uh, build a new countywide water treatment system that drew water from Lake Huron. But until that was completed, they started using water from the Flint River. And unfortunately, you know, nobody did their due diligence to find out if this water was acceptable and the water itself was corrosive. I think at the time it was even known to be so because... Uh, other facilities in the area were pumping in water from alternate locations because it was corroding the equipment in a number of businesses. I think a car manufacturer had quit using it because it was tearing the cars apart in the production line. So the, the, the corrosive nature of this water ended up stripping out uh, all kinds of bad things from the inside of the lead pipes that had been laid in the city by the city 50, 60 years ago, if not, you know, older than that. That was a typical building practice back then to use lead pipes. Because we learned nothing from our Roman forebears. <laughs> it was what was available, readily, <laughs> readily available at a bargain basement price. And the, all of the contaminated water just started leaching into uh, into the homes of the residents All, of, in yeah. Flint. Everybody that lived there. There's um, there are children who have experienced it from in utero, and will suffer essentially congenital brain damage their entire lives as a result of this gross fiscal mismanagement. While it may look good on a spreadsheet to go, oh look. 
if we choose to take the water from column B as opposed to column A, we can save ourselves $15,000 a year, and that would be a right grand saving, wouldn't it? I think so too, right then. Well, we'll do that, and some people will get hurt, but they're not fiscal, are they? They don't appear as a line item on the yeah. spreadsheet, so, so we don't need to worry about them, because we're at GOP, and that's what we do. And sorry for the failed sort of semi-ish Yorkshire-ish accent on whatever, but I, I wanted something sort of whiny and weedy for these assholes because that is simply what they are. If you are choosing the fiscal expedience over the health and welfare of the nation, then you are not suited or competent for the position. I think what's the most disturbing about this situation is that Flint is literally the tip of the iceberg as far as where these situations with contaminated water are happening around the United States of America. Um, First world country. Back in 2004, Washington, D.C., the capital of the nation, had a very similar issue. Um, They ended up changing it was similar, but not the same. They, uh, WASA, which is the uh, the waterworks, DC Waterworks, changed um, the treatment cocktail that they used in their facilities, and doing so um, similarly to Flint, uh, the, the change in the treatment cocktail allowed a corrosive mix of the water to go through, again, the old lead pipes that were installed in the system and knocked loose contaminants and caused leaching of the lead pipes into the water. And um, And it's not like lead poisoning is simply reversible over time for some people who are exposed to it in an early enough age the effect is permanent mm-hmm. and while the lead will eventually disappear from that person's system the effect will not and then to me raises the questions about who is liable for these people's long-term care because There is a duty of care. There was a duty of care in the provision of the water in the first place. It's it's what you were there to do. And failing to provide that clean water is, to me, a dereliction of duty. And who at that point is responsible? Because I'm sure that the individuals concerned do not have the fiscal means to, to meet the medical bills of these people in perpetuity. Um, well, the one of the one of the key findings from the D.C. water crisis in 2004 led to several congressional hearings about what was going on and how this was allowed to happen for so long, to the point where the EPA was put on trial, and it was found that significant data and testing results that they had been putting out from 2000. And like I said, this was in 2004. So I'm sorry, um, about the mid 90s through 2004, 10 year period there. They were basically falsifying their own reports as far as major cities and their water quality, Boston, Detroit, New York, Philadelphia, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, Seattle and Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, they had studies that were done in all of these cities for all of their water quality, and they were found that certain houses, you know, quote unquote hot houses that were uh, had higher levels of contamination, were removed from the study group to help <laughs> lower the numbers. Um, and this sort of stuff is funny when Carl Hyerson writes it, like in the book Skinny Dip, but in reality it isn't. 
Uh, <laughs> no, in reality, it's not at all. Uh, I, there's, and there's other bizarre ones. There's a, a case that caught my eye, Diana, that um, I wanted to bring to your attention down in <laughs> inaptly named Crystal City, Texas. Um, there was, what was it? Um, all but one of the top officials in the city were arrested by, <laughs> for, for federal charges. They were arrested by the FBI. And that left the, the school superintendent, uh, I believe her name was Imelda Allen, who <laughs> was at her sister's and simply turned on the faucet and this murky, foul-smelling water started coming out. Yeah. And she had the presence of mind to... Um, shut it down and investigate, and it was discovered that some storage tank for water was being, quote-unquote, cleaned, and the sludge from that had been disturbed and was then coming out and going through all of these. Now, this this is a, um, a city of about 7,500 people. It's about uh, just over 100 miles southwest of San Antonio. But the, uh, she then uh, had the additional presence of mind to start ordering truckloads of, of bottled water to be brought in to replace the supply until the, the lines were clean. I mean, seriously, who's watching this shop? I mean, the, uh, it brings me back to the point again. First world country. Yeah. And, and I don't believe the GOP run it that way. I I feel like the it's we're heading into that movie Idiocracy, and I know that the the co-author of that um, has recently responded some of the tweets to him about the fact that how was he such a foreteller of the future, and he had no intention to be, but um, apparently what we all crave is electrolytes. Well, if by electrolytes you mean uh, lead sulfites, lead sulfites, yeah, then absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, delicious. Yeah, you know, I, again, this is it's semantic at this point, but you know the the litany of cities that have been affected by this just goes on and on. I've, I've just pulled up another report saying uh, St. Joseph, Louisiana has been having this problem uh, with lead contaminated water for over a decade. And they're grateful that Flint is going on because finally they're getting the spotlight on their, their parish. So that way they can start getting some help to come in and deal with this problem. Um, You know, You've got pictures of bathtubs and washing machines and fire hydrants spewing this sludge uh, into homes. And it's not that it's just a, a discoloration in the water where what should be clear water is coming out sort of as a, a tepid tea color so that you're getting Snapple in the tub. This stuff is coming out like black tar I mean it's it's like reeking yeah I mean it's a a smelly black coke with a slightly thicker consistency like it's too much syrup in it Mm -hmm. Um, it's just utterly nauseating that this should be happening I mean there's (laughs) uh, uh, it brings me back to the point we've discussed it before that um that when you live in a society, you live in a social environment. And so some of the things that have to happen to make that work are, quote unquote, socialist. Because right. we right. are social. We well, and right. So much of this is, is the overarching infrastructure system of the United States. And yes, these pipes that are in the ground are that are made out of lead are in some cases 90 100 years old and as they are breaking and as they are failing they're being replaced with you know state of the art to us pvc pipe um which you know 
to our forefathers 90, 100 years ago, state of the art was lead pipe. So I can only imagine, you know, 50, 60, 100 years from now, you know, our great grandchildren saying, holy shit, what were they thinking? Putting PVC in the ground and putting water we're supposed to drink. We're all having polychloral, polyvinyl chloride poisoning. Um, but Babies it, with impermeable skins. It's <laughs> <laughs> a straight pipe from their mouth to their butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know what? Now that you've put that image in everybody's mind, Anna, <laughs> should we move on, please? Can we, yes. we find something happier to talk about? Yes, we can. Just that everybody, case? this is why we pay taxes. <laughs> Moving on. Episode 9 was released on February 24th. We picked the story up again in episode 11 on the 24th of March. Top Stories Flint, Michigan Update Amid the ongoing water crisis in Flint, a new revelation has come to light. I'm taking some of this information from the commondreams.org website. Back in December of 2015, there was a break-in at City Hall. It was so well-timed, targeted, and clumsily disguised that the police chief, Tim Johnson, made the following statement with simulated accent. It were definitely an inside job. Power cords at TV wasn't even taken. Average drug newser knows that you need to take power cords to be able to pawn it. It was somebody that had knowledge of those documents that really wanted to keep them out of the right hands. Out of the hands of someone who was going to tell real story of what's going on with Flint water. The burglary was only discovered on December 28th when employees returned from the festive break. Tellingly, not only did the burglar take only the TV without the power cord, but they also failed to pilfer anything else from any other room in the building. This does lead to the very strong suspicion that the burglary as such was seemingly concocted, organized, and possibly executed by those with a strong vested interest in keeping further details of this crisis from emerging. And um, uh, apologies to um, Tim Johnson and to whatever accent it was that I did do somewhere in north of England, and to those in Flint, North Wales, because my Welsh accent is even worse. I think one <laughs> thing that we failed to say uh, in, in the summary was that... Uh, this TV was taken and a bunch of papers dealing with where the water was coming from, payments about where this water supply switch, timing about the water supply switch over, just papers that were specifically relevant to Flint's water supply source and a TV without its power cord were the only things that were taken. <sighs> well, Flint Watergate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting it's getting ridiculous. And, you know, the fact that Michigan's governor, Rick Snyder, was in front of Congress, I think it was last week, trying to answer some questions about. Well, he wasn't really know... trying to answer the questions, well, he was trying to avoid providing any information to, to any part of the government and certainly to any of the populace there. I mean, it wasn't you, you need to go to the. Yeah, well, in this case, you need to look at the British government to find a level of moxie and chutzpah that comes close to to the level of self-obsessed infatuation. I, I really don't know quite what the psychological terms are to be able to face down everybody and go, well, no, to do with me, lad. <laughs> really? Yeah. You were in charge of this shit, Sunbeam. Um, it was everything to do with you. No, don't remember reading none of them papers. Hey, funny old world, didn't it, eh? Yeah. And and I don't even see the papers. Like, you can't show me the papers, and there's no papers. So, clearly, no papers. I didn't know anything. (laughs) Um, So, Rick Snyder put, put out a press release on Monday putting forth 
his long-term plans on how to fix Flint. Um, did it involve his resigning? No, it did not. But it Why did not? include replacing drinking water fixtures, uh, some lead service lines. Uh-huh. Um, and then it goes into these you know, nice amorphous items like uh, boosting health and educational resources and developing a new home mortgage option for the city. It's kind of just nebulous and feel-good things, but they don't get to the heart of the problem, which is clean drinking water. Yeah, it's almost like this guy works for Nestle or should do. He's that level of low that eh, drinking water is not a human right. We should be able to charge him whatever for it, whether it's potable or not. I mean, not that I'd want to drink it, and we get all our water from a private source that's trucked in. But yeah, the, the rest of the people, well, fuck them. Seriously, dude, resign. Get a proper job. Something you're qualified for. Something where you get to serve fries, my friend. Something (laughs) where you get to serve fries. So one of the other issues is basically the reimbursement for the remediation and mitigation efforts that the county that Flint is in, uh, Genesee County, they want the state of Michigan to reimburse them. At this point, they're... uh, at about 1.1 million that's what they've spent so far in response to the crisis and the the county board chairman said look we need this money back as soon as possible or we're gonna have to start laying off workers and these are the workers that are currently trying to replace the lead lines to either copper or PVC so that these people can get clean drinking water. It's this horrible May I make cycle. a statement at this point? Uh, I can you know only... what's coming. You know what's coming, don't you? Uh-huh, I think I might. First, First world, world country. country. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Mighty dollar. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right, on to lighter things. Trump <laughs> news. Nope, fuck no. <laughs> we are not covering El Duche unless we absolutely have to. I don't uh, think we have to. <laughs> I saw a headline today that uh, this asshat has spent the least amount of money for a front runner in recent times. And uh, yeah, I just refuse to give him any more free coverage. So. Let's move along. Fuck you, Lucia. Episode 12 was from the 8th of April. Top Stories. Flint, Michigan Update. Well, we didn't have an update on the burglary news that we covered last week. It's still an inside job. That said, we do have an interesting update, don't we, Diana? Oh, things have been happening in the last 24 hours in regards to this story. It's a little gleeful over there. Do tell, do tell. Well, uh, a lawsuit was filed Wednesday, April 6th, in Flint U.S. District Court alleging that Snyder, who is the governor of Michigan, his former chief of staff, and some others attempted to balance the Flint city budget uh, using a pattern of racketeering activity. Oh, 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 oh. this doesn't sound good. Anytime you hear the words U.S. District Court and racketeering, why would you think that there would be a problem? (laughs) No problem. Um... Yeah, we're just bootlegging some fresh distilled water, ain't we? Yeah. Well, so a little bit of backstory. Like the whole state of Michigan was pretty well and truly fucked um, <laughs> financially, and a lot of different cities, um, Detroit and Flint both included, were under um, city managers because they were bankrupt essentially, and this was. Um, the way that they were supposed to get into some type of financial alignment. And well, what the lawsuit alleges is that basically the officials tried to balance the city budget like it was a business and you can't run a government the same way that you would run a business. 
which is something that uh, unless you pay attention to political things, you might be saying, well, why not? Because there needs to be a certain amount of debt that's incurred to make the city's budgets to actually work. So to sum up, it's, it's run for the people as opposed to for profit. Exactly. You're not supposed to run a city for profit. The city should be run as a not-for-profit, not as a business. And what they're saying, with the, I'm sorry, the lawsuit is alleging... <laughs> is that officials misrepresented the suitability of the Flint River water as the city's drinking water source for roughly two years <laughs> and build yeah and they build Flint residents at rates that were the highest in the nation for water that was unusable resulting in the city's budget deficit being reversed so ultimately the lawsuit claims that the actions resulted in a 3.3 million dollar surplus for the city. Uh -huh. Where did that money go? <laughs> well, because the Flint water was so unsafe and because they were billing residents and getting payments, you can also add in charges of mail fraud and water fraud. <laughs> because people were paying through the mail and online using their credit cards. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely piece of logic. Please carry yeah. on. <laughs> well, that that's the the summary of the lawsuit. It's it kind of a nice little bit of sweet justice. <laughs> but um so that happened Wednesday. And then um a letter came out on Thursday, the 7th of April, from uh, Maryland's Democratic Representative Elijah Cummings, who was the highest ranking Democrat to oversee the congressional hearings when Rick Snyder made his little sworn testimony um, on March 7th to the Oversight uh, Committee. And basically, uh, he sent a letter to Snyder's office saying, your actions raise grave concerns about the accuracy of your testimony. <laughs> That's some good legal language for, we all don't think you tell the truth. Yeah. So Rick Snyder said that he was in uh, daily conversations with the mayor of Flint while all of this was going on. And basically, the testimony that he gave stated that Quote, he was working with local leaders rather than marginalizing them in response to the crisis. And this appears to, quote, directly contradict his actions. <laughs> so Cummings is performing an investigation and requested that Snyder provide all emails, communications and other documents relating to how long you and your staff planned, developed and released the 75 point plan including all internal discussions about how and when to involve the mayor. Last week, we talked about his 75-point plan action items like lowering mortgages and some other just kind of general BS, happy, happy word action items that I didn't think would really produce too much of a positive change in Flint. But it looks like now this whole action plan was developed in the closet without any actual request <laughs> for input as to what would help the city of Flint. Like, I don't know, just paying to have all the water lines replaced. Or paying off all their houses and giving them enough money so they can move somewhere where they can actually thrive, drink the water. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I want to play a Tom Lehrer song at this point. <laughs> It'll be interesting because, you know, I wonder how much of those communication documents were the ones that were stolen. Oh, that'll be uh -huh. interesting, won't it? So, yeah, uh -huh. this little story went from just kind of uh, something we were going to give you guys a quick update on to slightly more involved and interesting, in my opinion. Let's hope in two weeks' time we will fully be able to say that it got real. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Uh, it's already very real for the people yeah. who live there, but it hasn't been real enough yet for Snyder. I'm just, uh, I'm just really happy that the charges were brought forward, and I'm glad that they were kind of able to, uh, to rope the mail fraud and the wire fraud in 
um, as though the racketeering wasn't I, bad enough. Yeah, I, I kind of hope now that as a child he was taunted on the schoolyard, Snidey, Snidey, Snider, Snidey, Snidey, Snider, Snidey, Snidey, Snider. And if not, you heard it here first. I was say, if, it, if it didn't happen in the schoolyard, maybe it'll happen in the prison yard. <laughs> 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 and that may be the least of his concerns. <laughs> oh, do we have any other updates that we need to uh, get into here? How about some Trump news? Nope. Still no. We went over Not this happening. last week. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I, I can't deal with, uh, you know, any more bad talks that Melania tries to give or him having his surrogate Skeletor. Uh, what the hell's her name? <laughs> And Coulter. <laughs> it could be even more, more fun. We we could use some audio clips from Palin. Nope. No, I'm going to draw the line on that one. Ain't happening. They will be the rootinest, tootinest audio clips that you ever done heard. <laughs> They'll be the best rootinest, tootinest audio clips. Because he's got the rootinest, tootiest audio clips. And they are the rootinest, tootiest audio clips. <laughs> All right. Well, we said those no. Audio clips, no, no more, those no. audio clips. No more. You can see Alaska from those audio clips. <laughs> Oh, I think we've got another big story we need to get to. Should we be getting? <laughs> yes, we begin. All right. Two weeks later, we were back at it again in episode 13 from the 21st of April. Top stories. Flint, Michigan update. On April 18th, Governor Rick Snyder our best friend from Michigan um, has a ridiculous Twitter handle of at one tough nerd. <laughs> Would at state Penn Snyder be more appropriate? It will be soon. <laughs> he, uh, he tweeted out that he <laughs> spent time with Cheryl, a Flint resident at her home in the city and drank filtered Flint water with her. And included a picture. So uh, this poor woman had to not only endure the poisonous waters that are flowing into her home, but now the poisonous stench that was surrounding Rick Snyder. Perhaps not stench, at least the poisonous presence thereof. (laughs) (laughs) Snyder also tweeted, I'll drink filtered flint water at work and at home for the next 30 days. So even though the water source has been switched back to Lake Huron, the damage has already been done. (laughs) And the response on Twitter has been mildly varied in its themes. But one common note struck by almost every respondent has been resign. But he won't. He won't. He's going to proclaim his innocence and go down. He's. Kicking and screaming. He's the governor. Apparently. He's going to be the governingest governor that he can be. That ever governed. <laughs> but but uh, another even more recent update than that. Even more recent. We are so topical. We're only about four or five days behind by the time this goes out. Shh. I'm shushed. Criminal charges have been laid, and uh, please note at this time all charges are alleged. Um, <laughs> charges were filed in the courtroom of District Judge Tracy Collier Nix against three individuals Mike Glasgow, who is Flint's laboratory and water quality supervisor, Michael uh, Prisbury, who is an official with the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, and Stephen Bush, a former member of the same body for the Lansing District. Um, in the Office of Drinking Water and Municipal Assistance. Uh, Mike Glasgow, he faces right now, uh, as we understand it, two counts, the first of which is a felony count of tampering with the evidence uh, related to signing a document saying that the tested um, houses did indeed have lead service lines, which investigators currently allege was false. That charge could result in four years in prison, and or a $5,000 penalty. The second charge at his door is a misdemeanor count of willful neglect of office. That's a one-year sentence and or a 
thousand dollar fine. As to the other two gentlemen, Prisby and Bush, they share some charges, the first of which is a felony charge of misconduct in office for misleading EPA officials. That's five years and or $10,000. Secondly, conspiracy to tamper with evidence. Ugh, four years and or $10,000. Next is tampering with evidence. <laughs> They were conspiring and then they were actually doing it. Um, four years and or $5,000. <laughs> and two misdemeanors for violating the state's Safe Water Drinking Act. That's one year and or $5,000 for each day of the violation for each count. <laughs> you want to do the math on that? Because that's a lot. That's, that's like, a lot plus some money. Uh, dead. They will be dead in prison. Unless they have sentences to run concurrently, which always seem like... Unless they have sentences to drink Flint water the entire time they're there. <laughs> now, Prizeby also faces a felony charge of misconduct in office for giving Flint's water treatment plant a permit, knowing that he was not going to be able to provide clean drinking water. Five years... And or $10,000. Yeah. So these are some outstanding public officials who I'm sure have phenomenal pension plans. and Had, I hope. Had. I, I, and although um, we don't have a, a huge audience in the, the Flint, Michigan area, and I'm, I'm sure our cultural impact is minimal to as yet none, I, <laughs> I, I for one, I'm glad that we're following the story because... This is important. I mean, this, as we've discussed before, this is a tip of an iceberg that there are other cases like this out there. And what we do not know is how big this situation really is. Flint came to the fore. And by keeping eyes on that, maybe it will keep eyes on other issues. Because drinking water, despite what the doofus from Nestle thinks, I think is pretty much a basic human right. If you can't trust the stuff that's coming out of your tap in, as we've noted before, is a first world nation, the hell are you doing? Yeah, it's it's a shame and uh, to, to put it mildly and something that you just don't expect to see. So hopefully, hopefully the spotlight on Flint and drinking water issues in general will help um a lot of these other communities that are dealing with uh, similar drinking water issues. Yeah, it shouldn't be an issue. In this day and age, in this country, this should not have ever been an issue. Yeah, yeah. It's all stuff we've said before. Shall we move on? Let's move along. And again, in episode 14, released on the 6th of May, there was more news to cover. Top Stories, Flint, Michigan, update. Breaking news, Flint residents are tired of this shit. As the uh, Flint water situation wears on and on, we will continue to report... And every time we bring it up, I think about how much it must truly suck to not be able to grab a drink of water or fill a pot for pasta or just make coffee for the morning every day. Um, but for me, it's just a passing thought and I get to move on with my day. The residents of Flint need to go and actually figure out about how much water they're going to need every day. And they have to drive to a water pickup location, which is usually manned by volunteers, and get their daily ration of water in America. In First world country. Yeah, 2016. So like anybody who expects these basic services to just be provided for them with the tax money that they pay and the services aren't being provided, they tend to get frustrated and let's say, uh, a little bit 
shitty with the people who are distributing the water. Everybody knows that it's not the fault of these volunteers, but they are the face that's available to be vented at when their rations are being collected. In a number from the Detroit News, the state of Michigan alone has distributed more than 959,000 cases of bottled water to Flint residents since January 9th, which was four days after the governor declared a state of emergency over this crisis. It's, that's an unreal figure. And people are having to fully budget the amount of water that they are using. It's just unreal. Give them what they need, plus 50%, so they've got a backup in the event that they need it. Well, and that's just what's been distributed by the state. That doesn't count other volunteer organizations, donations that have been received through outside sources. This water is what all they can use. They, they need to use this water for every single thing. Every time you turn your tap on, the residents of Flint have to go to either a gallon jug or bottles of water and use that water for everything. Because the only thing you'd trust it for is flushing, and you wouldn't even trust it for, for showering in at this point, would you? No, there were reports of people saying, you know, even just going in and taking a shower, they're going in, they're taking less than five-minute showers, trying to get in and out as quick as possible, and then they're scratching for over an hour after they're done with their shower because it leaves such a residue on your skin that it's just uncomfortable, even in their own skin. They're going to people's houses that they know, anybody that they know that lives out of town, and they're begging friends and family just to bathe at their homes. So I can only start to think of the environmental impacts as far as this is a significant number of water bottles. You know, let's look at it from the from another vantage point. I'm not downplaying the severity of not having potable drinking water. That is unexcusable. But tangentially or the another impact that has been created by this crisis is now 959,000 cases of bottled water bottles. Uh. It would almost be more rational to park a Bowser by every residence and until it's drained, run it, mm -hmm. and then switch it out for another tanker truck of potable water. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I keep trying to rem remind myself of is this, this is not an isolated incident. Mm -hmm. There are other stories. I mean, we, we, we're focusing here on the the effects of the, the water, but there have been some really bizarre deaths and disappearances over the past couple of weeks. A couple of women who have been involved at the, the outset of the litigation against Flint died in essentially mysterious circumstances. One of the water engineers. This is a third world level of fucked up. Hmm. I just lack a, a massive level of confidence in any of the the bureaucracy in, in Michigan to handle this appropriately. And it's troubling when you look at the, the range of ancillary issues that are developing around this. Yeah, I know um, there have been a lot of missing paperwork, things that have kind of disappeared, you know, uh, beyond the, the break-in for the TV with no cord uh, <laughs> that happened in March. But one of the things that did pop up this past week was um, a engineering report that was done back in August of 2013 titled The Proposed Scope of Upgrades to Flint Water Treatment Plant. Um, this report was initially submitted to Michigan's Department of Environmental Quality and was ultimately passed along to Governor Snyder's office and the chain of transmittals that was found with the report confirmed that it did go that far. But the most significant thing about this report is that it did not recommend the use of any corrosion control chemicals, um, such as phosphates, that would make the Flint River water less corrosive. How could you not? Well, the lack of these measures has been identified as the main reason 
that Flint's drinking water became contaminated in the first place. So this was in a report, like I said, I mean, this was almost three years ago, August of 2013, um, be it an oversight in the engineer's testing of how the water would interact with the pipes um, or lack of knowledge of the state of Flint's infrastructure, knowing that there would be lead pipes present. I mean, Flint's an old enough city that it's not unheard of to have the lead pipes. The fact that they had a city manager that had the budgetary interests of switching the water source and uh, not having the income should have been a uh, red light that clearly there's not the most current uh, infrastructure in place and there would be lead. (laughs) The Romans had better infrastructure and they still had a lead problem. Yeah. Yeah. So so more information keeps coming out week by week. Um, I haven't seen any new lists of uh, indictments um, since the last time we've reported, but we will keep everybody up to date on what's going on. We're going to be back to this story again, probably again in two weeks, as we seem to be every time. But Mm. until then, let's move along. The last episode in this batch is episode 15. From the 19th of May. Top stories. Flint, Michigan update. So we feel that there's still a pretty wide gaping hole in the national coverage over what's going on in Flint. The local Detroit Free Press and the Michigan news site MLive.com are pretty much our primary source for what's going on. I mean, they're close to it, so they should be, but... It's still a story that should be newsworthy nationally and um, with our little impetus internationally, if we polish our own buttons and sit up straight. (laughs) So uh, over the past couple of weeks, there have been developments. There seems to always be developments. (laughs) This story is it just keeps on this web keeps tangling. Here's the latest In the last two weeks since our last podcast. So updates have finally been made to the water system. Uh, We've reported in the past that the water source for Flint was switched back to Lake Huron. Um, These problems all occurred when the water source was switched to the Flint River. So the water source is back to Lake Huron. um, (laughs) Did you say Lake Huron or Lake Urine? Did not say urine. (laughs) You're on. So the additives have been put into the water treatment system and residents of Flint are now being advised that they need to flush their pipes. If you know what I mean. There you go. That's what I was waiting for. There was a, <laughs> I didn't pause there for you, Rob. Okay. I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> At this point. So. so Um, residents of Flint are supposed to flush their pipes for at least 10 minutes per day for 14 days. Um, so that way the pipes are sat appropriately saturated with a new anti-corrosive additive that has been placed, uh, into this water supply to prevent any further lead leaching from the aging infrastructure pipes and back into the water. And this is supposed to be this additive is supposed to help prevent any additional leaching until they can replace all of the lead service lines to the homes. I have a question, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any effect from drinking this anti-corrosive additive? No, this it's a very typical additive. It's something that most major cities add to their water supply. It, It won't hurt you. It's made to it's made to make sure that the lead that's in the pipes doesn't get stays in the pipes, doesn't leach into the water. Um, it's it's I don't have the exact compound in front of me, but it's a very typical anti-corrosive. Well, I'm going to trust our infrastructure experts on that. Yeah, and they're neither of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to help uh, offset, you know, this increased water usage. The, the city is asking these residents to run the water, like I said, for at least 10 minutes per day uh, for 14 days straight 
the residents are going to get a credit for their May water bills um, as kind of an incentive and, like I said, to kind of just offset this additional usage cost. Um, I think some preliminary numbers have been run for the this offset, and it, it's not going to cover the entire thing, but it will cover um, a significant amount of the usage. Does anybody know exactly how much this is really cost at this point? Because it must have at this point. Being a touch cynical, I'm going to suggest that it's possibly a little more than the original cost savings. Uh, yeah, probably. So here's here's what we do now. Um, according to the Detroit Free Press in an article that they released May 15th, um, the state budget office for Michigan has accounted uh, for $3.6 million that this has cost so far. However, and this is a giant however. Go for it. There is a massive accounting difference, I guess you can say between the different state agencies in the state of Michigan. So uh, Kurt Weiss of the state budget office said that uh, the, de- the Department of Environmental Quality tracked that they spent $134,000 on labor-related expenses towards this crisis. But a spokeswoman with the Department of Environmental Quality said that it was that number was closer to 2.1 million. Wait a minute. What was the first number again? 134,000. There's about 2 million difference in those numbers. Just a touch, just a touch. And then Weiss followed up, you know, when being presented with, you know, the fact that there's a 2 million dollar differential there, uh saying we're still working with them to get the coding fixed. We're not completely accurate yet. <laughs> uh, we so need just, to make well, sure, I, all, again, this is another quote. We need to make sure all of our beans are being counted correctly. If you'll forgive me, uh, we could say that this is turning into a wiser shade of fail. Clearly, I don't forgive you. <laughs> oh, uh, it was worth it for the look on your face. Um, um, and when we start to post onto YouTube, inevitably over time. Uh... <laughs> so on top of all of these costs that ha- have no basis in reality, um, you still have people living in Flint having to pay their bill, their water bill, because they are still using the, that tap water to bathe um, for the houses that have had their lines replaced um, for, I guess they are drinking tap water now, some of them. But according to a study released February 16th uh, by the Washington, D.C.-based Food and Water Watch, Flint residents are being charged more for water than any other customers in the nation's 500 largest community water systems. Well, they're getting so much more in it. Right. Right. So... um, Everybody is paying more more in Flint for their water than anywhere else in the country. And they're getting such a high quality of product. Um, there was an audit done, uh, you know, since everybody's looking at this water system. There's been an audit done to try and figure out what's costing so much money. And it turns out that um, it's been shown that the system is leaking as much as 40% of its water, which means that 40% of the water is not. So you're only getting 60% of what you're paying for. Yes. It's like paying for a full tank of gas and only getting six out of the 10 gallons that went in. The rest is all on the the floor of the, the gas station. But paying for 10 gallons. Yeah. Yes. 
So that's what's happening. That residents are be, are paying for more than they're actually getting, clearly. But now with all of these system updates that they need to do, um, there's a likelihood that the cost to them could more than double in the next five years. So an average monthly water bill in Flint right now is about $53. And because of everything that's going on, the average water bill by 2020 could, excuse me, will likely increase to $110 per month because you have to cover all of these system. I guess at this point it's maintenance. <laughs> so my guess then is, is there any incentive for people who live there that can afford to move to stay there? I think the key phrase there is that can afford to move. Yes. Um, yeah, I feel like a, in a lot of these situations, I mean, this has been going on for, well, it's been publicly going on for four and a half months, mm -hmm. um, you know, based on the emails that's been going on for three years now. But um, such emails as they know about. Well, yeah. Yeah, the paper trail or lack thereof is uh, the last the last headline, the last update that we have for you guys uh, with Flint here. Um, so if you'll remember back, that was my flashback I, sound. I do not know how you managed to get the shimmery effect on Skype. That was I'm, quite special. I'm amazing. That's how it happened. <laughs> I'm sure all of you felt it. As you were listening, um, uh, Governor Snyder had to testify um, in front of a congressional oversight committee and uh, Representative Elijah E. Cummings uh, basically said, we don't think you're telling us everything. And this week, Governor Snyder uh, responded to those claims and the, the magic date is April of 2013 that's when uh, the switchover was supposed to have happened and they were, that's when they were making a lot of decisions and magically any email pertaining to changing the water supply or certain adding changing the additive solution that would go to treat water once it was coming from the Flint River instead of Lake Huron. All of those emails, they're, they're just gone. And Governor Snyder has no idea what happened to them. In a written response uh, to this, where is it? The, um, he responded to additional questions from the committee and said, and um, <laughs> I have not, to my knowledge, deleted any relevant item after the litigation hold issued. And in fact, steps have been taken, including backups, etc., to ensure that relevant documents are preserved. As to the date prior to that, I have no memory of deleting an email that would be relevant. And I think it would be unlikely that I did so. Hey, Rob. Hello. Don't do why that. Is, why is Governor Snyder a southern fancy man? <laughs> well, if you look at his picture, he just looks such like a fine southern gentleman. And I'm sure the residents of Flint would encourage him to move somewhere out of state. Listeners, if any of you can do any type of impression. If, if you have an authentic Michigan accent. Please let me know. Authentic Michigan accents are encouraged. And I'm going to keep doing them badly until somebody ponies up and volunteers. Oh, God, someone, please. I believe she has the vapors. No. Well. I'm going to pretend none of that happened either. So. Yeah, but uh, I have the final edit. Ugh, crap. Moving on. Uh, let's move on. Flint, we love you. I'm sure we'll talk about you next time. That concludes this 
catch-up episode for Flint, Michigan. We covered episodes 9, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. And a quick thank you to Stuart for noticing that I'd duplicated episode 14 instead of including 15. Unfortunately, there are still more episodes to go, but it's easier on us than it is on the people of Flint, Michigan. We hope it's resolved soon. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. Mr. Secord, will you please play us out? (laughs) 